You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey, and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today, we are doing a part two episode with Dr. Tamara Rozier, and I'm so excited. She's the founder of the ADHD Center of West Michigan. She and her staff work with individuals with ADHD and their families to learn strategies and develop new skills to live effectively with ADHD. Dr. Rozier is also the president of the ADHD Coaches Organization. She is the author of Your Brain's Not Broken, which I can't wait to talk about today. She's a popular conference keynote speaker, a frequent frequent guest on podcasts. Like this is the second time she's been on mine because I love the first one so much and has published numerous articles about living with ADHD. So welcome back to the show. I am so happy to be here, Erin. Well, the first conversation we had was pretty revolutionary for me. And then I read your book. It was even more revolutionary. And so I, should I say revolutionary or revelationary? Um, I I had a lot of revelations after reading your book. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today. I love it. Thanks. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, the first thing that I think that we need to talk about that we didn't touch on last time is the difference between convergent thinking versus divergent thinking, because we hear that term neurodivergent being thrown around a lot right now. And I think it's important to understand just the different ways of thinking. Yeah. Okay. So these are thought strategies and thought patterns. So convergent thinking is what the most of the world wants us to do. It's, It's the kind of thinking where there's a right answer. So students go to school and they're asked, what's the answer to this? Arrive at the correct answer. And B, C, D. And for those of you who are listening, who are neurodivergent, you're like, well, that's a cool story, but that's not really how I work. I start with A and then blow up the can of alphabet soup and I have alphabet and I can go A to P to Q, and then back to C. And that's neurodivergency. In other words, we see everything connected. Now, neurodivergency is great. We look, sometimes we look like creative geniuses. And it's fantastic. Because we're making connections that other people are like, I never thought of it that way. Mm. Sometimes our divergency just gets us into a lot of trouble. Yeah. Because really, the task calls for convergency. So let me give you a quick example. Uh, I had a student who um, was supposed to write a paper. And the neurodivergent brain said, you know, but before I write this paper, I should get my laundry done. Because I'll be able to think better. And this isn't just procrastination. In her head, those two things are linked. Yep. And then she's like, okay, but I'm going to put it away and clean my room too. Because having a really good room is really going to make it great for me to write this paper. And again, this isn't just simple procrastination. It's connected in her head. Um, If you guys know the Rube Goldberg kind of machines, they're just crazy machines where um, you have all these weird steps just to blow, blow out a candle or switch on a light. It's a Rube Goldberg machine sometimes that we create. And that's one of the problems with diver- divergent thinking. Yeah. So last thing, Erin, about it, um, divergent thinking is like putting your foot on the gas 
divergent or convergent thinking is like putting your foot on the brake. Hmm. And when you're ADHD, sometimes we try to do both at the same time. Yeah. And we, you know, burn out our tires. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. And that that's really interesting. I, I think everything's connected in my brain and it makes so much sense. My husband is, who is very much more convergent. I start talking to him and he's like, what in the world? I asked him one day, as I've been processing this, I asked him, you know, we're, when I wake up in the morning, my brain is going a thousand different directions. And I want to talk about that ADHD metaphor in a minute, because I've always pictured it as a pinball game, a game of pinball. It is just, there goes the ball and it's bouncing from one thing to the next. And it's never like stuck on one. We're just going all over the place. That's how I wake up. The day is mine. Right. And so many ideas. He's like, no, I just kind of, I just kind of think about one thing. Like (laughs) you think about one thing. Are you kidding? How do you do that? So I think that's, I thought that was a really good description of what it's like. Yeah. So ADHD people, and this is so funny, they lit or non ADHD people. Let's start there. Only think of one to two things at a time. How? (laughs) I know. Meanwhile, we have this cacophony and it's like, it's like your metaphor of a pinball machine. Mm -hmm. That's just like. Yeah, I think of this, 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 and I'm just pinging all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, ADHD people, we can't literally hold more than one thought in our head, but it it's like we're juggling all these thoughts in our head at a time. Yeah. And divergent thinking makes it possible for us because we can go here, we can go here, we can go here. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned something in the book about it being, um, it's not that we can't focus. It's that we're too focused on everything at one time. Can you explain that? I thought that was really interesting as well. Well, yeah. So first of all, ADHD is such a sad misnomer, right? We don't have a frontal cortex that screens out unimportant things. And so, you know, today I'm sitting in front of a window and every once in a while, there'll be a movement in the parking lot. I'm like, well, what's happening out there? Mm-hmm. Right. And I, for just for a fraction of a second, my attention will be diverted. And, and so it's those quick little diversions that we have all the time. So if you, ha- if you're a parent of a child and that child's like, mom, I just go to school. The lights are buzzing. Mm. Some kids can hear the fluorescent lights buzz or mom, my shoes are too tight. And I'm paying attention to my shoes. that are too tight. And when I really should be blocking that out and focusing on something else. Um, Now take it to the adult world. Same thing happens. Um, You know, (laughs) I was working with a woman uh, doing some parent coaching and halfway through the session, she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I I just have to say this out loud. I tied my shoes too tightly today. She goes, look, what am I? And, And she just went off on this rant about how tight her shoes were. And Ironically, she wasn't sure if she had ADHD. And by the end of the session, I'm like, you know what? I can assure you that it it probably came from your side of the family. Um, I didn't diagnose her, but that's a pretty ADHD thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so interesting. And I think, I mean, even 
you know, I use, I talked about my six-year-old last time and just the way that we're trying to work through kindergarten and all the things we're doing. And recently I was picking up and we're doing, I don't even know what the task was, just your usual work. And he said, Oh, I just thought of something. I need to go to my room. I need to get this thing that starts with the letter J or whatever to show to my class. I'm like, wait, we're not there yet. But he was so like fixated on, I've got to go do that now. And I thought to myself, how often do I do that exact same thing when I'm cleaning up my house? I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in a straight line from the kitchen to the bathroom, to the other room. It never happens in a straight line. Cause then I find another room that needs something else picked up. And I think that that's, it goes back to that pinball (laughs) analogy of it. We're just going from one thing to another and it it is all connected. It's all related, but it feels a little disjointed at times. Yes. In fact, those of us with ADHD, we don't sequence well Hmm. because it feels all related. It's all equal. Yep. And so we don't sequence or prioritize. Hmm. And the reason I use the word sequencing is, oh goodness, I hate when I tell stories of myself, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) I get ready in the morning and I literally have to say to myself, Tamara, order of operations, which is like a mathematical thing you say, you know, you go through order of operations because sometimes if I'm not fully with it, I'll put on my makeup and I forgot to put on my contacts first. And so for you guys out there, we wear mascara. Like it's the dumbest thing on earth to try to pull your eye apart, pluck in a, or pop in a contact after you've done your makeup. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, order of operations error. And I just do like dumb little things like that. You know, I'm old. I've been getting ready for quite a while now, (laughs) but I make these sequencing issues all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I totally relate to that. And I see family members of mine doing the same thing. And, you know, and I think it's important, like you say in the book, to know that your brain's not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just a different way of doing things. And speaking of doing things in a different way, this is a great time to pause and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by KiwiCo. I love when I can help my kids to create a lifelong love for learning. And KiwiCo is defining the future of play by making it engaging, enriching, and seriously fun. Each month, KiwiCo delivers crates packed with fun and sparks creativity with kid-friendly topics and activities. The crates cover a ton of interesting topics and provide real hands-on skills for kids to explore. From engineering robots to learning about the science of cooking, there is something for every kid. Discover subscription lines for kids of all ages, ranging from infants and preschoolers to teens and beyond. My two boys are six and nine. My nine-year-old got a domino machine. To me, it was very advanced for a nine-year-old. And I think he was really proud of how he put it together. He got to create this entire thing that involved putting a battery together and it lays out dominoes in a line so that you can hit the dominoes and watch them fall, which was really, really interesting. And then my six-year-old got a mechanical sweeper, which he needed a little bit of help with just because his fine motor skills are not there. But both of them were able to confidently explore and create mostly on their own, which is a really big deal. I liked the crates so much that I enjoyed being part of the experience with them. Your child can get super cool hands-on science, art, and geography projects delivered to their door every month. They'll be so excited to see these arrive in the mail. The day the box arrives will be their favorite day of the month. My kids keep asking, when are we going to get another crate from KiwiCo? When are we going to get another project to work on? You'll be surprised at how high quality the materials are too. These are real 
real engineering, science, and art projects for children. This surprised me, blew me away. My kids loved it. Do your part to encourage your children to be innovators and creative thinkers. They won't believe what they can build and accomplish with KiwiCo. Give them the tools to learn new skills, build new experiences, and make new connections to the broader world. The best part? Watching their confidence grow as big as their smile. Redefine learning with play. Explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at kiwico.com spark. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com spark. So Dr. Rozier, I want to touch on another topic in your book, this whole idea of hyper arousal versus avoidance. I think that's super interesting to break it down. And especially for me, I related to that, how I can go all out on one thing because I'm focused and it's interesting and I love it, or I'm doing everything I can to avoid doing something. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm wondering, why did you like that part? What did you see in yourself in that? Oh gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I think it's just because, because I'm self-critical, which is going to be my next question. Oh, okay. Good. But it's because Because I'm hard on myself about that. Yes. Yes. So yeah, I was wondering if that was why it was linked. So those of us with ADHD, we have um, our, normally we have a part of our brain that would just kind of sequence things for us. And it would also measure out our energy. In other words, on a scale of one to 10, our energy would be kind of at a four, five, or six every day. But ADC people aren't like that. Oh, no. We're either a one or a 10. Yeah. We go big or we stay home. <laughs> and that's a huge problem for us. And so we're like a light switch, right? Um, and you see this in children where like you, like a little boy just obsessed with dinosaurs has to read everything about dinosaurs, but won't do his math homework. Right. Mm -hmm. It's all or nothing. And a lot of this is based on, we have um, Tom Brown talks about, we have an interest-based nervous system, which means if our nerve, if our nervous system thinks, well, this is new novel, possibly even dangerous, our brains perk up. You know, I have a lot of ER physicians that I coach, incredibly smart people, and they call it such a boring night in the ER, right? If they don't have, now they don't wish for trauma, just to be clear, they're not sociopaths, but there's something in their brain, like they're like, I'm on, Mm -hmm. I got to save a life. And they do good work and they feel great. And then at the end of the shift, when they have to chart, they hate it as so they go into the avoidance mode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what ADHD folks do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the boring stuff. It's the, like every, I mean, for me, like I love learning. I love learning new information. I love researching and I can go down yes. all sorts of rabbit holes, but when somebody's telling me I have to, you know, complete an assignment by this time, all oh. of a sudden it's like, no, I don't really want to. Yeah, like, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. You know, I love that you said that because a lot of, okay, I find ADHD people fascinating. You know why? We know a lot about weird stuff. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so last summer I got chickens. I've never had chickens before. By the way, I didn't predict the egg prices being weird. I just thought 
chickens, yeah. cool. And so I built a chicken coop, <clears throat> did all this research. And it's hilarious how much I know about chickens. <laughs> and fortunately, none of my chickens have gotten sick and I haven't had to put all that, you know, information to use. But I know a lot about chickens. Right? Yeah. Um, I also know a lot about nutri- dog nutrition. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I love my dogs. I want, and most vets aren't trained in nutrition. Well, then I have to fill in the gap. And I'm positive if your listeners have ADHD, they're like, oh yeah, I know a lot about this. Right. (laughs) It's because there was a nervous system reason for us to learn it. Mm -hmm. And then there's other things I'm like, yeah, I never learned that. I don't care. Right. Yeah. Like algebra. I I don't, it's just not, not my thing. Not going to help my kids with it. Yeah. No, it's not there, but yeah, I mean there, but it changes. Like it's changed all throughout my life. I've had different seasons of different things that I've been obsessed with. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. I think about my brother who, as soon as we recorded our first episode, I was like, oh my gosh, you need to listen to this. You need to read this book. Cause he like can go into this paleolithic era of, I don't even know, like the weirdest I've taken videos of him going on a rant for minutes about these random things. And I'm like, where do you even learn this stuff? (laughs) Yeah. How his brain works. Yep. I absolutely love that because that is ADHD. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and it's almost these random bits of information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I ask a person like, how did you, how do you know that? And they're like, I really don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I crept down a rabbit hole one time. I forget how or when, but I know this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so that is so true. That's interesting. That's for people. It is. And and even, you know, when you talked about in the book, you know, picking ADHD people like to pick things that are challenging. So I went into, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to go to this school of applied functional medicine because all that's like a perfect example of how things are interconnected, right? Wow. And understanding root causes and And I I don't, I was an English major in college, you know, but I got my nutrition certification. I qualified to do the school of applied functional medicine. And it was, I mean, for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the hardest thing I could think of doing because science was never my thing. And I've loved it. And it's been really great, but there have been times that I'm like, whoa, what did I get myself into? (laughs) But I love the challenge and I want to work myself up to that challenge at my own pace. Right. Yep. So, well, Yeah. And so we can't motivate, we can't be motivated. Hmm. Um, So uh, just a word to any spouses, parents out there, just stop trying to motivate your ADHD loved one. They're not, they have to have intrinsic motivation. It, It really like, yeah, you can bribe me maybe for 10 minutes, but then I'm going to realize that that $10 isn't worth it. So mm-hmm. you can't motivate me. That's so. very true. Yeah. I, I have to have a reason that makes it worth it to me or I'm not doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly it. And some of it is just having the knowledge. Sometimes that's worth it enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Well, you're like me. Um, so not all ADHD people are like this, but you and I have a lot in common. Uh, one, I love functional medicine too, because to me, it just make, it's logical. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's totally logical. It's divergent thinking at its best. Mm-hmm. Because everything is connected. Right. <laughs> um, the other thing is you and I um, are compulsive learners. And yeah. that's a specific type, a subtype of ADHD, where our ADHD kind of is like, 
a hungry monster is like, feed me, feed me, feed me. Yeah. And not everyone with ADHD has it, but a few of us do. I would guess a lot of listeners of the show, if they consistently listen to the show, because this show is fed by my compulsive need for learning, right? somebody's listening and going, yeah, I resonate with that. (laughs) Well, and think about how interesting we are at parties now. Mm -hmm, Right. (laughs) I mean, probably not when we are like your brother and go on a diatribe, but, (laughs) but to go, oh yeah, I know a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you can kind of fit with everybody too. And so it makes us blendy, you know, Um, I think that that's important. So I do want to talk about this self-criticism, perfectionism, shame dance that happens. Ugh. Yeah. We have to. No, just joking. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think it's um this is unfortunate and this is a part of ADHD. And the reason I wrote this whole book is because I was nervous writing it because there hadn't been a book out there about the emotional side of ADHD yet. I was really nervous because I'm like, well, maybe there's a good reason why no one wrote on it. But there's research to back this up. And so the number one um, symptom truly of ADHD doesn't have to do with attention. It has to do with emotional regulation. And what that means is we use emotions to motivate ourselves. And when we use emotions to motivate ourselves, a lot of times we turn that voice in our head into this like negative like Marine drill sergeant screaming at us, threatening mm-hmm. to rip up, you know, off our head and do something vile down on our windpipe. Like we have these ugly voices in our head to try to motivate ourselves. Uh, I just talked to um, a client before this call or before um, this inter- interview. And you know, I said, okay, so how are you? And she immediately started crying. I said, what's up? She goes, I don't even know. I said, well, let's let's start with what are the shame voices saying right now? And she's like, that I'm not doing anything right. I'm letting everyone down and I'm a fake. Mm-hmm. Notice as a coach, I didn't start with, well, how do we fix this? We have to start by hearing all the shame things. So in, in her past, she has tried to motivate herself to shame herself into doing better. Yeah. Um, I personally have struggled with this. You know, I'll, I'll always make a joke, whether it's ill-timed or not with my clients, like, well, I don't know anything about self-loathing. I just, you know, I read a book on it. Um, I, I still work through self-loathing all the time. I have to catch it and go, no, that's not okay. Yep. Um, and in my next book, I'm actually starting to address techniques for doing that more like, nope, that's not okay. That's an old way of motivating yourself. We're going to nip that in the bud. Um, But it's still, it's sneaky. And so here's how it sneaks into my life now through perfectionism. Yeah. So um, I had breakfast with my daughters and they're just so fun. They're ADHD. And my kids were asking about the next, the next book. And the three ADHD, uh, the non-ADHD daughter had left the table. It's a table full of ADHD girls. And they're saying, how's your next book? I'm like, um, okay. And they're like, why? Why okay? It's going to be great. People are loving your first book. And 
my oldest daughter looked at me and she goes, that's exactly why she's having a hard time because they liked it. That was a fluke. She can never do it again. Mm-hmm. And she's probably a big fraud who's going to let everyone down. Yeah. And I replied, shut up. You don't know me. But she was exactly on the money because that's what my sick little head starts to. But it was trying to motivate me to write better. Do you see how dysfunctional that is? Yeah, but it's so real. ADHD people do this like it's their job. And I can't believe I just confessed this on your podcast, but I, and people think, you know, when I confess this, like, oh, you're being false, you know, like showing humility falsely. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, 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 girl, I'm struggling. Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. these are real thoughts I have to work through. It's like the imposter syndrome thing, but- 100% to the extreme. And I I mean, that's something as I've been a working mom for, I mean, gosh, it's like we're going on almost, you know, 19 years now. And I've always said, I feel like I'm doing all the things, but not one thing well. And that's something that'll just creep up here and there that leads to, you know, because it's that go, go, go until the crash. Right. And so that's, you talk about that a little bit as well in the book of just that when it gets too much to handle, there's that complete shutdown mode that occurs. Yep. You know, it's so funny because there's some of us, you know, the light, the light switch metaphor, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is Aaron, you and I have this in common. Like we kick butt and take names. Like mm-hmm. that's how we go through life. Like we just <laughs> like to get things done. We like to do things and we're go, go, go. And then all of a sudden we realize we've been running on fumes. Yeah. And there's nothing left. And it almost feels like a depression. It's not a clinical depression, mm-hmm. but you're like, I have nothing. And then you flop and then you can't like get out of bed or get off your phone and you can't figure out why. Well, it's because we were running on emotions and emotions. That's like dirty gasoline. That's going to wreck your, yeah. your engine. And so we were using true motivation we were using emotions yep. and eventually they run out. Mm-hmm. And it works for a little while until you're realizing, gosh, I don't know if this method is working for me anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, the older I get, the more I'm like, girl, you keep falling into this trap. What are yeah. you doing? Yeah. And that yeah. self-awareness, you know, I, I am seeing more of that self-awareness where I'm planning for rest and planning for time to wind down. And I'm really big into yoga that helps me helps my, I feel like it helps my brain just switch, Absolutely. but, yeah. um, you know, you talk in the book about the battery life and, and the solve it grid. And I really, I don't know if it's hard to talk about the solve it grid without the visual of it, I think, yeah. but, um, I'd love to see if you can kind of get into that a little bit. Yeah. So um, people can go to the author website, TamaraRozier.com and pick up Solve It Grid visually. But the, so I won't dissect it all, but what the Solve It Grid is, it's trying to address and give us a tool because we're not good at managing energy. And we're not good at like realizing when things are draining us. So there was a task on my to-do list that sat on my to-do list for a week and a half. And for some reason, I blew it up into a bigger deal than what it was. And I'm like, oh, I, I just can't even do this. This is so many steps. I had task initiation issues and all this swirling around. 
on Monday, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to peek at it. I was on the phone to someone else, of course. Um, and I'm like, I'm just going to open it and peek at it. And all of a sudden I realized it dawned on me, this is a five minute task. What was I doing? And what I was really doing is waiting until it felt like it was on fire to do it. And so what the solvent grid does is it tries to lay it out for people to go, hey, where can we put this task so that we can accomplish it? And where where can we analyze our energy? Is that is that kind of okay? Yeah. With, okay. Yeah. And it helps. I mean, it's just that whole like like you said, like there's that immediate urgent, like I've got to do this and I'm running on, you know, the stress hormones to get it done. And then there's the, you know, well, this is fun. I like it, but it's also emotionally um, exciting. And then there's the like, nope and nope, (laughs) like not emotionally exciting. And I got, I got no energy to do, you know, and then I can't, what was the third? It it just, it really helps to categorize. Thing. Yeah, that's why I'm encouraging your listeners to go to the website. It's a free download. Don't worry about like, it, it's a free download, but it's a visual that will help you kind of organize how you do things mentally. Mm-hmm. And it'll give you a picture of, oh, well, I'm trying to do things in the wrong quadrant. Yeah. I'm trying to like use emotion. Um, you know, a lot of us will kind of create drama in order to make things like highly emotionally relevant yeah. for the tasks that aren't fun. Mm-hmm. And the solvent grid kind of helps you see that. Yeah. And sometimes I think that, that what you call procrastination or what some people refer to as procrastination, like you're saying is really just kind of waiting, waiting, waiting until it's immediate. And then I'm kind of invested because I have to get it done. I mean, right. I remember in college being out partying, doing karaoke till like 12, one in the morning and have a paper due in the, in the morning and yeah. going home and typing it up. I'm probably half drunk, you know, like, I mean, just, that was, <laughs> but that's, it well, worked for me. And I am laughing because that's an ADHD move right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, logical. That's how I got through college. I mean, it was last minute paper writing because I, I could make it work. Yeah. And so, but that's not a lasting lifelong strategy. No, because there's a cost when you do it mm-hmm. because you're exhausted. Um, every mm-hmm. semester though, I have students coming in and like, Hey, you know, that, that 13 page paper, I wrote it overnight yep. and then they <laughs> want a high five. Like they stuck it to the man. And I'm like, no, you screwed yourself, buddy. Like, yes. uh-huh. <laughs> and it, it's, it's just funny how like mentally we use ADHD logic that is based in emotions. Mm-hmm. And I love that you just shared that because you were like, Hey, if I go out and have fun, release that stress valve, I'll be relaxed to write this paper mm-hmm. and I'll be somewhat alert because I'm, I know that I have to hurry up and do this. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how can we get past that? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to hear more about when you get there, your, the new book that you're writing, because yeah, what are ways to help with that management of the stress and that input that's coming at 90 miles per hour all the time? Okay. So let me just hop to the, the focus of the new book is families. Hmm. 
That's good. Because think about it. Like, well, you're in a family with affected by ADHD, right? <laughs> so you're living with all of the stress kind of pounding you. Your kiddo is living with it, even though he's just a little guy. <laughs> and then you have your neurotypical people going, what's all going on here? Yeah. <laughs> and then they start to go, well, is it, you know, let's just, um, is she just, you know, disorganized? Is she flighty? What's her problem? And mm-hmm. we start to guess, like, is it a character issue? Right. Right. And then, you know, especially you being a female, you might go, you know what? It might be a character issue. Maybe I'm just not that smart. Yeah. Maybe, you know, and we start to make it more character driven than ADHD symptoms are just ADHD symptoms mm-hmm. and we can't make it about character. But for those of us with ADHD, I hate saying this because I want to hit myself with my own shoe. Um, we have got to learn to slow down and schedule time for convergent thinking. Mm. See, I said it. I even hate, did you hear me stumble over the words? Yeah. Yeah. I hate it because I love like putting out fires, doing things fast, Mm -hmm. divergent, divergent. And I literally have to schedule convergent time. So convergent tasks are like paying bills. Yeah. Um, all the, anything you think is boring is a conversion task. Mm-hmm. I almost guarantee it. Yeah. Right. Or ordering groceries. I even switched to ordering oh, groceries from going to the grocery store and I still hate it. I, yeah. <laughs> right. Because it's not interesting and it's not emotionally challenging at, at all. And so you're just like, oh, this is a gross task. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have to schedule time for a convergency. And during that time, I really have to go, I'm going to be patient. This is going to take longer than I think it should take. And I'm going to keep breathing. And so this is one of the ways we handle the stress of having ADHD. Because most of us feel like we're drowning all the time. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. My list is so long. Like long after I'm dead, they'll be finding lists like that I yeah. thought I would get done. And it's just not, I'm always behind. Well, there's a tendency to overcommit, right? That's part of it. Like, yeah, sure. I can do that. Why not? I got that. I got well, my divergent brain sees the possibility. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exciting. So yeah. why wouldn't I do this? <laughs> right. <laughs> why say no? <laughs> why yeah. say no? Yeah. yeah. I, by the way, um, this is a logical ADHD error that I'm making. I think I can see the same amount of clients I normally do and finish up my second book. Mm-hmm. See, a neurotypical, by the way, for your listeners, if you just went, well, that's not even realistic, you're probably neurotypical. If you're ADHD, you probably, went, well, I can see why you would try. <laughs> <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I love working with clients and I love writing this next book. Well, sometimes mm-hmm. I hate it, but that's a whole writing process issue. Mm-hmm. But But (laughs) I think I can do both at once and not schedule the time just to sit and write. Mm -hmm. So who's helped me understand this is I have an administrative assistant who's neurotypical. Nice. And so she starts to get very picky about my calendar. No, that's your writing time. You're not allowed to schedule anything there. I'm like, well, what if I don't want to write then? She's like, well, then what else are you going to write? Like, she's not bossing me. She's just asking, like, right. 
this logical kind of question. Mm-hmm. She's doing things that my brain should be doing for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't have that. So I pay. Yeah. yeah, no, that that's huge. That's, I mean, just to have that, that time management piece is yeah. a big deal. And like you said, I mean, I can think of so many times in my life when I'm like, well, I can, I mean, I think about my, my oldest child who is double majoring and, you know, working <laughs> these late nights at studio movie grill. And, you know, like, I mean, she's like, yeah, I, I can do it. And, uh, oh, yeah. leadership and this thing. Sure. I can do that. I'm like, yeah. when do you yeah. eat? Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And a lot of us are just talented enough too where people like to hire us. They like to have us in positions of leadership. We bring energy. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, yeah, we see the possibility. Thanks for asking. Yeah. 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 Seeing the possibility. And I think that that is a bonus for sure is to be able to see, I mean, and that's where I can, I can debate myself. I don't, I remember during the era of COVID, that was my favorite is how I could just see both sides. I loved yeah. it. And I could debate myself out of anything, you know, yeah. and I, and I think, but I realized not many, that was eye opening for me, realizing that we had to pick a side. Cause I'm like, Oh, I've never realized that I had to pick a side on anything because I can think right. from all of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I was an English teacher, um, cause I was an English major like you, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would have students write both sides of the argument Yeah, in my persuasive classes. I'd be like, okay, so argue it on this side. And I wouldn't tell them that they had to argue it from the other side. Um, but I think that's how you form good, really good thinking. Mm-hmm. It never dawned on me that would be hard for other people. Right. Yeah. And there were students who were like, why would you trick us like this? And I'm like, I didn't mean to trick you. I just think, I just literally thought everyone could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so what do we do with our, um, you know, in conflict with the neurotypical or our neurotypicals who are in conflict with somebody who is neurodivergent, like just thinking about the listeners out there that are like, this is, I know people like this. I have family members like this, but this drives me crazy. This isn't me. Yep. How can we learn to relate to each other? Okay. You just described my next book. I, I swear <laughs> I'm not trying to plug it. That is <laughs> that's, really- that's awesome what I'm trying to do with the book, because so first of all, if you have ADHD, you have to understand you're a handful to live with. Mm-hmm. You're emotional. You follow butterflies down a path. Mm-hmm. Like you don't take out the trash when you say you will, like you're a handful mm-hmm. and you need to take responsibility for your behavior and be a grown up. Yeah. Right. Um, unless you're a child, in which case that's a different, you know, mm-hmm. but everyone needs to be responsible for their um, ADHD. If you are the neurotypical and you're married or you have children, listen, you, you still got to love us. Like, I know that we're distracted. I know that we're messy. We can, you know, have all these different traits. Not all of us are messy, but some are. Um, and some of us can only keep the kitchen clean if our car is dirty, but that's a separate issue. So, so if you're neurotypical, I'm begging you not to make our ADHD symptoms a character trait. Mm. Just because it takes me seven tries to get out of the house doesn't mean I'm flighty. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think I just got a PhD just to demonstrate to people I wasn't stupid. <laughs> because I felt <laughs> so stupid all the time. Yep. 
because mm-hmm. the feedback I would get from neurotypicals, why can't you hold this together? Mm-hmm. And so I really want neurotypicals to go, I see your symptoms and I, I'm going to ask you to be a grown up about them and take responsibility, but I'm not going to keep you accountable in checklist because I know you will fail. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be loving to you no matter what. Yeah. You know, um, I mentioned, you know, having breakfast with my daughters. Uh, three of them are married. And uh, two of them were talking about how their husbands just kind of take care of their cars, oil changes, you know, get gas, keeps the car clean. And then one of my daughters and I were like, oh, wow, that sounds fantastic. And then one daughter said, well, we married neurotypical. <laughs> and so she and my other daughter and I, we married our own people, <laughs> which means we got to take care of our own darn cars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of funny because the two girls that did marry neurotypical, they do have different lives. Their husband still helped them with those boring tasks uh, because they've kind of talked about like, hey, I'm not good at this. If it's a value, can you help me uphold this? Hmm. So if neurotypicals and ADHD folks need to really work together to go, hey, getting my oil changed. True story, guys. I really have to get my oil changed. The light has been on forever. Um, But getting my oil changed is really hard. And yet I know our car is an investment. Are you, do you have the, um, you know, wherewithal where you can help me with that? Yeah. And if the neurotypical says, no, I'm not going to, then we still have to act like a grown up and get, get it done. But a lot of times the neurotypical is like, yeah, that's not a problem for me. Yeah. And so we need to work as a team because guess what? We're neuro, um, neurodivergent people are sometimes really good at other things that uh, neurotypicals aren't good at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, I see the complimentary effect of that um, in my own marriage with my neurotypical husband and, and um, we balance each other out in a lot of ways, but when it's, when we're not, we're not. <laughs> so that's where I think there is a lot of grace to be had for each other. I mean, even when I'm like, why can't you see it my way? He's thinking the same thing, you know? And so I, I see all the connections and he sees the straight line and that oh. can cause a blow up unless we realize, oh, we're just thinking about this in a different way. And I think that's super helpful. I, yeah, it's funny. Um, my husband and I just, uh, adopted a dog and I'm more the intuitive person. Now, even though he has ADHD, I'm more the intuitive person. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty good at reading people to go because I, I wanted to make sure like, you know, this was a legit person and, you know, they weren't doing anything sketchy with dogs and he is very logical and he kind of, you know, did background checks and all that. And so we, we worked together that we're both ADHD, but we used our different strengths together mm-hmm. and we made a really good decision. So I, I beg families to start talking about superpowers and using, oh, in our family, we have a shorthand term for, we got to get our strongest players on this one. Yeah. <laughs> and um, a lot of times I'm like, hey guys, I'm not your strongest player for this task. Um, mm-hmm. It's not because I'm trying to get out of it. It's because I'm trying to think through how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's, that's super helpful. I can't wait for the next book to come out. So that's, that's exciting. I feel like there's, I've gotten all these previews. Um, I think we've covered, I said we were going to make it a shorter episode, but then here we are and it's about the normal length. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I appreciate everything that you've shared. And I just want to um, remind people, the book is your brain's not broken and any other um, information you can share about where people can find you or get the book or any of that. Uh, well, wherever books are sold. And uh, if you do check out, if you're interested in Solve It Grid, go to TamaraRosier.com. Yes. That's the author website. So I'll uh, see if I can find just that link to to drop in the show notes, because I think that would be, that was a really helpful activity just for me to go through and go, oh, okay, I can, uh, I can see this. Yeah. And I think there's enough information there. My Instagram is at Dr. Tamara Rosier. And there's, uh, I think, more things on there about uh, the solvent grid too. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you again. This um, time just flew. Um, my time blindness just led me astray on this one. <laughs> on this one. Yours and mine. So. Yeah, no, this is great. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.